Beth, I'm, I'm really sorry, but this episode might contain some spoilers. 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 I'm going to have to leave. Sorry. Yeah. If you've not watched this episode, then uh, sorry, you're going to get spoiled. Should we start? You look great. Thank you. Yeah. Shall I, shall I begin? Yeah. Hello, welcome to the Who Watch podcast, where we're watching every episode from 1963 to present day. You just said every episode, but you didn't say Doctor Who. Do you want to do it again with the Oh, Doctor no. Who? <laughs> you said we're, 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 watching we're watching every episode. From we're watching us. every episode of EastEnders from 1963 <laughs> to present say, day. I was going to say, which show are we watching, David? Every episode of, of what? The news? <laughs> Robin Hood. The news. <laughs> Have you seen the news recently? It's a great fuck, series. Fuck no. Welcome to the Who Watch podcast, where we're watching every episode of Doctor Who from 1963 to present day. He's David, I'm Beth, we're two huge Doctor Who fans, and we're continuing our Who Watch journey this week with the Aztecs, the sixth ever Doctor Who story. Before we begin, please do remember to subscribe and follow us on the socials. You can find us on at Who Watch Podcast, and you can email us your thoughts on the story or our episodes at thewhowatchpodcast.gmail.com. And if you're enjoying our travels through time and space, please do give us a rating on your podcast provider or tell your pals or put it on Twitter or, you know, spread spread the gospel of the Who Watch podcast, please. We've had a lovely review. It's on Apple. Uh, I'm so excited to hear this because I haven't heard this. This is from Up the Junction. Hi, Up the Junction. Thank you for this review. Um, it is a one-star review. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the headline is awful. Followed by, follow the detail, exactly what I thought it would be, full stop. Wait, is that it? So, up the junction, thank you so much. That's it. it? (laughs) (laughs) Our podcast is awful because it's exactly what they thought it would be. What did you expect? Did you want... Awful. Did you click on the Who Watch podcast where we watch every episode of Doctor Who from the very beginning and expected us to not watch Doctor Who from the very beginning? Like, what's the... What what did you expect? I think exactly what it was I expected it to be in, is indicative of the fact that I'm brown and queer <laughs> and you're a woman. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into no, that. No, I mean, no, I, I think you're probably right. What they mean is we are people under the age of 30 who aren't white men and we say things how they are. <laughs> Thank you, Up the Junction, whatever that means. <laughs> Hi, Up the Junction, hi. Hi, Up the Junction, hi. Now take me shopping, um, big boy. <laughs> now take me shopping, big boy. <laughs> Just a heads up, the observant among you may have noticed that we sound a little different. Um, that's because we're in two separate locations, because I'm at home recovering from possibly the worst cough of my entire life. Um, so if I sound gravelly, kind of sexy, then that's because <laughs> I am actually ill. Um, I thought you were going to be like, that's like because gonna... I am actually sexy. <laughs> no, that's, no, well, that is also true. <laughs> I've brewed up a homemade coca bean drink in the Garden of Peace, but by the time you're well, David, I can't guarantee there's going to be any left, unfortunately. Damn it. Well, while I wait for my own cocoa bean drink, I'm joking, I've not got a cocoa bean drink, I've got hot Ribena. 
Hot Rabina. People say that they've... Hot Rabina, which I've heard lots of people say they've never had, but I love it when I'm sick. Anyway, um, while we have our Hot Rabina and our Hot Cocoa drinks, let's break down this story for you, listener, because in this four-parte, the Doctor, Barbara, Ian and Susan land in 15th century Mexico, finding themselves in an Aztec tomb. Our strong, independent women, Barbara and Susan, leave the TARDIS first to explore their surroundings, and what do you know, our Babs knows a thing or two about the Aztecs, as it's her specialist subject. Yeah, she sat in that black mastermind chair. She pops on a pretty bracelet while looking around the tomb, exits through a one-way door and is found by the Aztecs who decide that she's the reincarnation of the high priest Yataxa and therefore a goddess of Babs. When the Doctor Susan and Ian go to find their friend, they also go through the one-way door. Can we talk about how many one-way doors there are in this season of Doctor Who? We'll get to that later. (laughs) Accidentally sealing the TARDIS in the tomb. They're greeted by one of the Aztec men who found Barbara who introduces himself as Otlock, the high priest of knowledge, and takes them to Babs who is now known as Yatexa. They also meet the High Priest of Sacrifice, Clotoxel. Barbara convinces the Aztecs that Ian, the Doctor and Susan are her servants and demands that Ian and the Doctor are given free run of the land. Clotoxel is suspicious and agrees, but convinces Ortlock that Ian should fight to become the leader of the Aztec army. He's taken to meet his rival for command, Ixta. The Doctor is taken to the Garden of Peace, where civilians who have made it to the very old age of 52 are allowed to live the rest of their days. He meets our first Hooniverse MILF, Kamika. <laughs> a local philosopher who thinks the Doctor is proper hot. He meets up with Ian and tells him that in order to prove himself to Ortlock and Ixter, he should help in the planned human sacrifice to the Rain God. Ian's not especially keen, but the Doctor says he needs to do it so they don't blow their cover. Barbara, however, has other plans. She wants to use her newfound divinity to stop human sacrifices, believing that if she does, the Aztec people will be spared when the Spanish arrive in a few years to conquer Central America. The Doctor tells her that she cannot change history, but Barbara isn't having it. When the sacrifice is about to take place, Susan screams, Noir! And Barbara puts a stop to it. The human sacrifice is outraged, saying that he hasn't been able to prove himself to the gods. Clotoxel encourages him to throw himself off the top of the tomb, which he does, and when the rains come, Clotoxel says it's evidence that human sacrifice is necessary. Babs puts her foot down and says that human sacrifice won't be practised anymore, with Clotoxel promising he'll expose her as a false goddess. The Doctor's pretty annoyed at Babs, as the cover is now under threat, and Susan's been shipped off to some sort of boarding school for naughty Aztecs. But it's all okay, he apologises for being harsh. Ian and Ixter are practising for their big fight, and Ian manages to knock Ixter out with just his thumb, expertly applied to a pressure point. Clotoxel and Ortlock come in, and Ortlock declares Ian is the rightful commander of the army. Katoxel is dead against this, obviously. Meet the perfect victim. He's due to be sacrificed on the altar next, but because of this, he gets a lot of say over everyone else in the days leading up to his death. Katoxel convinces him to order another contest between Ian and Ixta, with Ixta promised loads of dosh if he kills Ian in their battle. Not satisfied with this amount of meddling, Clotoxel goes to Babs and tries to trick her into revealing she's not actually Yataxa. But she pushes back, saying Ortlock should be questioning her. But she pushes back, saying Ortlock should be questioning her as he is the High Priest of Knowledge and Clotoxel is a Priest of Sacrifice. He agrees but confines her to the tomb room, leaving her with the knowledge that Ian and Ixta are due to scrap. Meanwhile, the Doctor is flirting away in the Garden of Peace. He convinces Kamika that he should meet the son of the tomb's designer so that he can figure out how to get back to the TARDIS. He has got a crush. This is where we find out that Ixta is the son of the tomb's designer. He doesn't tell the doc about his scrapping with Ian, only that he has to win against an opponent. He exchanges the tomb's designs for some brill fighting tips from the Doctor, who has no idea the opponent is Ian, and gives Ixta a needle with plant poison to weaken his opponent. Whoopsie! But where is Susan, I hear you ask? That's right, she's studying the word of the good housewife and discovering how to be the perfect woman. She's told that her husband will be picked for her and she is having none of it. Ortlock begins to question Barbara, 
on why she wants to so badly stop the sacrifice. She gets all prophetic and explains that their behaviour will lead to the fall of the Aztec civilization. He's a bit freaked out, obvs, and she asks him to make sure Ian and Ixta's fight remains non-fatal. Despite her being in isolation, the Doctor goes to visit Babs and is subsequently arrested for talking to her. While there, he finds out that Ian is Ixta's opponent and Barbara demands that the fight be stopped. But the fight goes ahead. Ian is giving it all until Ixta comes at him with a poison needle and scratches him. The Aztecs want Ian dead, but he attacks her, our Babs, uses her godly powers for good and renounces human sacrifice once more. Katoxel says that if she was really a taxer, she would be able to stop the fight herself, so she comes at him with his own knife and threatens to kill him. Go Babs! He then stops the fight and Barbara continues to try and stop the Aztecs from sacrificing people all over the shop. The Doctor and Clotoxel have a garden chat and our hero tries to convince Clotoxel that he can prove Yutaxa is the real deal if he can get into the centre of the tomb. Very clever. Ian and Ixter are alive but are still gunning for each other and Ixter reveals that he never planned to give the Doctor the tomb designs. Clotoxel then decides that the only way to prove that Yutaxa is fake is by poisoning her. If she dies, she's not Yutaxa and if she is, she will live. Meanwhile, Milf Kamaka is all loved up with the Doctor and she reveals her plan to get him to drink some good old hot chocolate, which apparently is the Aztec version of getting engaged. She literally spills her beans and the Doctor joins her for a hot bevy because who would want to turn down a hot chocolate? He's now engaged to Kamaka! Ian sneaks in to see Babs and warns her of the oncoming poisoning and she tries to get Clotoxel and Tanilla, one of the other priests of knowledge, to drink it first. They don't because death and she finally admits to Clotoxel that she isn't a taxa and warns him that if he tells anyone, she'll get his fellow Aztecs to turn on him. Tanilla and Clotoxel continue to conspire against Barbara by trying to force Susan to marry the perfect victim. She's like, no thanks, and they decide she must be punished for her refusal. They snitch to Barbara and say she must punish poor Susan, to which she agrees, worrying that their cover will be blown. Meanwhile, Kamaka is showing the Doctor a special brooch that was Ixta's father's and reveals that he went missing years before, leading the Doctor to deduce that there must be a secret entrance to the tomb somewhere. Autolock has become a good pal to Barbara and says that he will stand with her and her new anti-sacrifice party. They go back and forth morally, especially when Susan's punishment is involved. Ian then sneaks into the tomb via a moving panel, but Ixta has followed him. Ixta pretends he is none the wiser and tells the Doctor that the panel must be closed up because it forms a dam to stop the garden from flooding. He closes it, traps Ian inside, and water begins to rise up around him. Luckily, our Ian is very smart and he finds a way out by moving a loose slab. Ursula, is that you? He crawls through the tunnels until he makes it back to the Yataxa's tomb and the TARDIS. Yay! He ties a rope to a bit of the door and opens it, giving way so that he can open the door later. Babs is surprised to see him and doesn't know how he got there. The Doctor turns up, excited to see that Ian is safe, and they finally plan how to get back into the tomb and to their beloved ship. Kotoxel and Ixta believe Ian to be dead, and they even taught Susan with their news. But Mr Chesterton saves the day once again and escapes with Susan. Phew. The four, finally together again, try to open the door, but the rope breaks. Kotoxel takes things up a notch by knocking out Ortlock and getting ready to blame it on Ian and expose Barbara. Ian and Susan return to the Garden of Peace, and they find Ortlock unconscious, and Ian gets arrested, and then Ortlock wakes up and reveals that Barbara is not actually a taxa. Katoxel and Tanilla plan to lock Barbara up during the eclipse so that everyone thinks she's vanished. Meanwhile, the Doctor and Ian make a pulley system to try and open the door to the tomb. Kamika is a true ally and wants to help them escape and the Doctor thinks that Ortlock can help. Ortlock agrees to free Susan but cannot do anything about Ian. Barbara has made him question his faith and he gives it all up to free Susan, then heads into the wilderness to find himself. As the Doctor and Barbara put the finishing touches on their pulley system, Clotoxel taunts Barbara by telling her that Ortlock is gone and that the sacrifice is going ahead. Ortlock's plan to free Susan works and she escapes with Kamika, while Ian disguises himself in order to escape. Clotoxel is still scheming, but the TARDIS team are ready to say goodbye. Kamika is heartbroken that her absolute babe, the Doctor, has to leave. 
The sacrifice begins and Katoxel tries to kill Babs, but Ian stops him and finally kills Ixter by throwing him off the top of the tomb. And the door is open so our TARDIS team can escape. Katoxel performs the sacrifice after watching them leave and Barbara questions everything on the way back to the TARDIS. She feels kind of sad that she couldn't make a difference to history, but the Doctor tells her that she changed one man's life and that this is better than nothing. Aww. Back in the TARDIS, the Doctor says the dials are informing him that the TARDIS is moving, but also stationary. Ian suggests they might have landed on something, but Barbara wonders if they've landed inside something. Can we just say that when we do these intros to your listener, it's for your benefit so that you know exactly what we've had to go through to bring you this beautiful podcast. Exactly what we've had to go through. That You make it sound like we're being tortured. We are. No, I'm joking. I actually really like this one. Um, I think you probably liked it more than I did. Why do you Why do you think that I liked it more than you did? Do you know what? There were two bits that I really loved, which was all of the stuff with Barbara and all of her moral stuff about wanting to change history and stop the sacrifices and stuff. And I also really loved the Doctor's relationship with Kamika and accidentally getting engaged via hot chocolate. But I think all of the other stuff... All of the other Aztec stuff I just found quite boring, which is so unlike me because I quite like historicals. But I think I was just... um, I kept zoning out while watching it. And I think also, as we said last week, there's a lot of Doctor Who stuff going on at the moment. We're trying to fit this in between all of the other Doctor Who episodes that are airing right now and everything. And I just wonder if, like, it's hard to keep my attention on, you know, the historical stories that have quite a lot of, like, heavy stuff in you know, when we were writing the script, we were saying everything is important. There's a lot to understand about the Aztecs and the characters and the way they do things. I think, for me, I was finding it hard to, like, stay tuned in as it was going along. The reason I liked it is because of the multi-layered nature of it. Because in, in part, it is a political drama. There is this fight between, well, essentially church and state, really, isn't it? Like, it's this religious belief that human sacrifice is important versus secularism, I guess. So there's, like, a really interesting kind of religious political quandary to it that I found really interesting. I also really liked how, yeah, like you said, the morality of it and Barbara's reason for wanting to remove human sacrifice so that she in her mind, would be able to see the Aztec civilization continue, which, for a 1960s perspective on history, does make sense. But then you kind of think about the fact that, like, realistically, it was ethnic cleansing, right? It wasn't the fact, necessarily, that people were savages. It was just the fact that the Spanish were going to kill them anyway to take their land and take their natural resources. But I also like the fact that it's the first example of those stories that we get in Doctor Who of... Why can't I change history? And I liked that rather than it being techno babble of like, you can't do this because the paradoxes and blah, 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 the doctor literally goes, you are removing the religious freedom of these people and the right for them to choose their own destiny and choose their own path and go in a direction that they want to go in. Um, And by doing that, that that will change history rather than it being, oh, if you do this, you, it's going to be a paradox and that paradox will have a lasting effect on the entire universe. It was like, no, it's like a very human... Like, actually morally. This person is, to person. Yeah. 
Yes, like morally what you're doing is wrong. You're removing the right for them to choose their own destiny and choose their own fate. And I think that's so interesting because so often in new Doctor Who, there are times where the Doctor's like that and there are other times where the Doctor's just like, oh, we can make things better and we can um, change how people think and we can change the future or change what happens and stuff. Um, Yeah, I thought it was so interesting that it was just sort of like the sort of first proper instance of understanding what, what... the implications of time travelling are on history because Barbara's literally like, I want to change something, but really it's like, well, think about what that actually means. We discuss this a lot, like people that work in the charity sector about going to other countries and telling them how to do things. You know, it doesn't... you, You may want to help people by going to this country and saying you should live this way, but really, like, you're... Do you know what I mean? You're, like, infringing their their religion their religion their rights um and that thing of like empowering people like how barbara did with ortlock sort of empowering him to th- think in a different way rather than trying to say like her beliefs are the right ones versus the aztec's beliefs you know what i also liked about it is the concept of the pure historical and we had it a little bit with marco polo also side note another thing that's similar with marco polo is the fact that None of these actors are from Central America, but we 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 presumed that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, and wonderful, wonderful, wonderful friends of the podcast, John Elledge and I bumped into each other when I was at work, and he came up to me, "Hello, John Elledge and he came up to me, and he was like, "Yes, you were very right about Marco." And I was like, "I I thought so," but then he also said, um, "Equity rules." in the 60s and 70s were very interesting. I've not had a chance to look them up, but John, if you have got the equity rules for the 60s and 70s when it comes to non-white actors, then please do send them to me because I am very fascinated by what that entailed. Anyway, what I was going to say was, um, I we, we don't have this anymore in modern Doctor Who, which I think is a shame, of just a pure historical that has no alien inference, that has no like extraterrestrial... Um, Edition. And the closest I think that we got to that in modern era, I think was Rosa, where uh, a racist from the future is like, we're going to stop black people from, from getting, getting anywhere near the, the power and the, the, the rights that us white people have. Um, and it was the doctor try and companions trying to like fix time and Graham ends up becoming the, the guy who sits at the front of the bus. Don't make me fly the plane, doc. Um, <laughs> But that's as close as we've gotten to it. And I really, really like that there is no alien interaction. It's literally just like, we're stuck at this point in time and we found ourselves in this rather odd predicament where people think that Barbara is a god and what are we going to do with that while we're trying to get back to the TARDIS? Yeah. Um, I also like that there's no... They can't just escape. They can't just, they can't just leave. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole, the whole point is they've accidentally ended up here and they've accidentally got trapped and the whole point of the plot is that they're trying to get back to the TARDIS so really like the whole driver of most of the plot is like how do we convince these people that they don't just kill us so that we can get back to the TARDIS which I think is so interesting because it's literally just like as the series continues they just keep ending up in these situations and the whole point of the story is literally just driven by the fact that they want to get back to the TARDIS which is so funny because in New Doctor Who it's like they go on adventures and for the most part they are there to have the adventures whereas I think in this 
this very first series, it's kind of like they just keep ending up places and then ending up not being able to use the TARDIS. Same happened in the Keys of Marinus. It serves the characters quite well to just have it be like, oh, they're stuck in history and they have to try and make their way back to the TARDIS so they don't get stuck there. Don't forget that you can follow us on social media at Who Watch Podcast, wherever you get your social media. And you can talk to us, slash email us, slash shout at us at the Who Watch Podcast. The Who Watch Podcast at gmail.com. Three, two, one. The Who Watch Podcast. The Who Watch Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. There's a delay. We're not going to get this right because there's too much of a delay. There's too much of a delay. The Who Watch Podcast at gmail.com. I'll just smash it up. We'll see it. <laughs> <laughs> also, please make sure that you subscribe to us and mm. spread the good word of the Who Watch podcast. Can I can I say something morose and miserable? Go on. Uh, this is my challenge. Russell T Davies, if you're listening, or a future series writer, Juno Dawson, if you're listening, I want a companion to die in a historical. I think that genuinely, to me, is one of the most horrific ways to go. There's something deeply horrific about the idea of, like... Oh, um, like imagine this was like a, a series endo. Like they end, mm. they land in like the Aztecs, and like if you imagine through all the series, um, there's been like foreshadowing that Doctor, your companion, you will lose them. They will die, and they end in like this beautiful place that they think, oh, this is going to be a like a proper lush, nice holiday that we're yeah. going to have like a gorgeous time in, mm-hmm. and it ends with like Millie Gibson having her heart cut out on like the altar of sacrifice. Like, wouldn't that be horrific? Wouldn't that be great and awful and disgusting I, and weird? I and like, this is a danger of time travel. I think that's why it just never happens, because it is such a horrendous way to go, to just be like a victim of, of literal history. But you're right, it is. It's a danger of but time like, travel. Make it happen. Let's park the fact that we're going through every episode from 1963 to present day. If we're, if we're looking at, like, what's happening right now, wouldn't that be, like, such a, a kick-arse way to be, like... This is what the future of Doctor Who looks like. Yes, you can get accidentally caught in this particular period of time. And guess what, bitch? You can die. Because that's what happens in time travel. Are you saying that Donna Noble should it's, it's, should it's, have it's, stayed in 1666 at the beginning of Wild Blue Yonder? Stabbed by Isaac Newton. <laughs> Donna but Noble like, should the, have been a victim the, um, of Mavity. Shut up. But it's the um, it's the Ryan being slapped in Rosa kind of thing of it, like the real historical implications of like going back in time. Yeah, or the Doctor getting um, put on the ducking stool in the Witchfinders. These things actually happen to people. So like, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if like oh no, eighteen year old Millie Gibson, young woman, gets like put on altar and stabbed. I want to talk about how the Doctor gets all annoyed at Barbara being like, oh, I told her not to wander off. Why has she wandered off? And just how that is literally a recurring, a massive recurring theme in Doctor Who, especially in, in New Who. And it, like, it made me so excited to be like, oh my God, he told her not to wander off. And off she went, ha ha ha, like classic Doctor Who companion. Love that for her. Don't you think that Kamika looks like she lives um, in Hackneywick or Dalston? Like she's got the right fringe for it and she's going out to like a she does she she's going out to like a drag night in Shoreditch on a Thursday night and she listens to yeah. Caroline Polachek <laughs> are you literally this is, this is literally me <laughs> she got Burlington in her Spotify raps we need to make sure we post a picture of Kamika because she yeah she literally looks like an East London hipster I don't know why I keep calling her a milfer because she's like 
in her thirties, surely she's not older than that. She doesn't look like. No, she's that's. A, but is she, yeah, I know. But how how big is the age gap between the Doctor and Cam- Kamika? How old was the actress at the time? Let me Google. I'm going to say uh, if we're being if we're being screen accurate, yes, there's like a 450 year age gap between <laughs> them. But like, she's over 52. That's the point. She's called an elderly woman on TARDIS yeah. Wiki. For that, for the Aztecs, she would have been an elderly woman. No, I know, no, I know. And I get the thing about them being in the garden, but the whole thing that I kept thinking the whole time was like, she doesn't look old enough to be retired to the garden. She was only 46 when she filmed this. It took me out of it a little bit to um, think of her as over the age of 52, because in my head, she does kind of look like a a 35-year-old hipster from Shoreditch. But um, I love her. I love that... This is a storyline in 1964, Doctor Who. And I think that the Doctor is so excitable and happy. And like, he's really high energy in this story. And I love that. I like the bit where he realises that he's being, engaged, he's being engaged to Kamika. And it's the kind of, it's the sudden shock and look of like, da, 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 I'm, feeling, I'm getting married again. He literally says to Ian, yes, I made some cocoa and got engaged. <laughs> if I ever want to propose to someone or someone wants to propose to me, I hope it happens via hot chocolate. And guess what, Beth? I've brought you a hot chocolate and a ring. <laughs> and I'm, I have to drink the hot chocolate to get to the ring. Will and you be and my die. podcast wife? <laughs> I would love to be your podcast wife, David. I agree. I, I, yes. Oh my God, she said I do. Also, yeah, imagine that, like drinking hot chocolate and then choking on a ring. How did she die? Oh, she choked on the, she choked on the Pandora ring that I bought her. Pandora? (laughs) Yeah. Listen, I love you, but I'm not spending that much money on you. (laughs) Thanks, David. Oh, Ian getting all these lovely, wonderful historical costumes in, in these episodes is great. I love it. Yeah, I think that the costumes, because I was looking at some pictures like behind the scenes, um, the costumes are beautiful for this story when you see them in colour as well. There's this gorgeous sort of headdress that Barbara wears and in colour it's so pretty. And it, it's just, sometimes I just feel like I don't often um, feel sad about watching Doctor Who black and white like I really like black and white Doctor Who but mm. seeing Barbara's like costume in the like orangey golden colour like when you google it and you have a look like with the feathers and the gold like it is stunning and this and Marco Polo that like the attention to detail and how beautiful the set, sets and the costumes are really like they look really real and I think that and the design of some of the monsters in this series so far. Like, it's re- like really concept and designs of all of the outfits and stuff are so cool. I just love them so much. I would like to talk about Susan studying how to be the perfect housewife. So good. It's so funny because, like, that still existed as a thing in the 60s. So the fact that they've put it in Doctor Who to be, like, lol, mm. Susan becoming, like, a... Uh, the perfect housewife. She ugh, she doesn't want to get married to someone she doesn't know. I just find that this story served the women quite well for the most part because Barbara has a lot to do. And then Susan just has this weird side plot. Like, I kind of feel like she's hardly in it, but she has this weird side plot of just like being educated by the Aztecs on how to be the perfect Aztec woman. <laughs> and I just really like the two sides of like what the women get to do in this story. And then Ian just gets the classic like, he's going to fight someone. Ian's he's a man, he's going to have a battle. He's going to have a fight. <laughs> it's like, yes, w- like Susan gets to how to be the perfect Aztec wife. Um, Barbara's become a god, as she should. 
and Ian just gets to fight people and as usual. <laughs> I feel like Ian's always like having a punch up with someone or, you know, saving the day physically. <laughs> I remember doing the Aztecs in year three of school. Um, but I don't remember what I learned. I just remembered making a project book about the Aztecs. I always find it really interesting talking to English people about what history they learn at school because so much of like Scottish education system is that they will teach you about like what happened in Scottish history. And I got so bored of having to learn about battles and William Wallace and like what was happening in Scotland in like the 1300s to the 1400s. I'm like big on the Tudors. The Tudors are a fascinating point in history. I remember doing the Tudors. There's not enough Tudor stories in Doctor Who. No. Do you do many Tudor stories? No. Like it's such a fascinating point in history. Other than like Amy accidentally getting married to Henry VIII. I knew you were going to bring that up. Unfortunately, I was too traumatised by school to remember anything that I actually learned. So for me, that's why I quite like historic Doctor Who episodes because they teach me stuff and they're a point of like me learning in a way that I missed out on a lot in school because of various reasons. But with this, I, I don't know whether it was like the other Aztec characters, like literally it was only... Kamika that I was really invested in because I think I had I had a little mm. bit of the same vibe that I felt when I was watching An Unearthly Child where I was like oh it's just caveman politics this was just like it's just men Aztec men who toxic masculinity vibes where they're just going on about honor and fighting and sacrifice and I was just a little bit like how I wonder what way this story could be more interesting to me. Like, but Barbara was the thing that really made it interesting to me, like her response to it. I think for me, the reason that I liked this and found it interesting was I actually, I, I actually disagree. And I think that the balance, but for me, this is not, this is not me disagreeing. I guess it's my personal, personal taste is that I thought the balance was kind of right because Unlike in a nursery child, I agree with you that that was like far too kind of like, Orb will make fire. When will Orb return? What will the cavemen do? I was like, Ugh! bored. Um, whereas this, because you've got the establishment of like time travel and Barbara has been in the TARDIS for a little while now and understands how, how, how it works and the fact that she is traveling through time and space you you get that really nice exploration of like where is the line where where are the boundaries for for me as a time traveler and i quite like that you've got that balance of yes there's this kind of you know aztec politic happening but i think that for me in any way it was balanced out enough with barbara being like what what is the right thing to do morally but that's just me i also yeah i think also while you're saying that it got me thinking how really like how often in doctor who the companions sort of are way into a story and that barbara's reaction to the aztecs is really what is what makes me interested and invested and want to know about it and about these people and about the the sacrifices and the situation because it's her kind of like coming at it from it's like when um when Amy Pond talks about the Romans being her favourite, like, historical subject at school, that you're, and, and then they have, like, all the Roman autons and stuff. It's kind of like your way into that through them. I really like that. <laughs> I mean, Barbara's not here being like, the Aztecs were hot. Like, Barbara's just a... 
Barbara's a, a specialist in These the Aztecs. hot Mexicans. But I think for me, it was a little bit... I was trying to get my head around all of the historic stuff and all of the different, like, um, roles the characters had and what that meant historically. And I think I, I maybe needed to sit with it a bit more and, like, spend more time trying to really understand it while I was watching it. Because I think sometimes with 60s Doctor Who, there's a danger of, like... I, I just think about something else for, like, two seconds and I've missed, like, a chunk of, like, historic stuff happening. Mm. Like, I looked out the window, saw a bird, and now I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Beth, how many stars would you like to give this episode? I think I'm going to give it a three, probably. And I know that I've done that for the last few stories, but I'm really giving it a three because I think the Barbara... Barbara being the main driving point of this plot and how interesting she is in this story... You know, I don't really have much to say about Ian, really, in this story. But, like, Barbara's a really, like, Barbara being the main focus of it, really, for me, is, like, really important. So I'm, for that, I'm giving it a three. The thing that sort of drags it down for me is that I, like, wasn't as interested in the history and the Aztec stuff as I feel that I could have been. Um, and also, the Doctor accidentally getting engaged via hot chocolate will, will always make me love it. So that obviously brings it brings it up a little bit for me. Barbara, Barbara, please, please, Barbara, please, Barbara, please, please, Barbara. Um, what about you? I I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a four. I knew you were gonna say personally. that. Personally, I know. Uh, the reason that I think I'm gonna give it a four is because I. I just had a lot of fun with it. And I thought that the balance was right for me personally between all those kind of different elements. Um, the thing I'm marking it down on, half, half a star for white people. Um, but like, I think also, what's the other thing that's like making it not five? Did you did you find it better because it was only I four guess, parts? I think also that's part of it. If this had been six parts, I think would actually thrown something at the television. Yeah. Um, because yeah. it would have been way, too, way too much. You know what? I think the, the additional thing that brings it down slightly is that there, I just think there's one too many characters. If you got rid of one, one little, little bit. You have just hit the nail on the head for me. I genuinely think in some of these historical stories, there are like too many people to follow. And I just think if you literally had just Clitoxel... Too many men, too many men! <laughs> if you literally just had it be Clitoxel, Kamika and Ixter, I would have like... Re I think like... Yeah. I think the thing that historical Doctor Who episodes need to do is like get you invested in like what can be perceived in some ways as like boring bits of history. I need to be able to be invested in Kamika and... I like with Ixter... I felt like I need like I needed something more to kind of be like oh I needed to root for him slightly against Ian and do you know what I mean like or not root for him do you know what I mean I, I don't think something. you need Ixta. I think that I think the people that you need in this are Kamika, Katoxol and and Ortlock. Yeah, yeah, three, yeah. And there was like two or three extra need. people that just aren't needed. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I know, I know it doesn't make sense all the time, like, if it's a group of cavemen or if it's, like, a tribe or something, like, you know, there will be loads of people, but just give us a few... Just give us three people to focus on and let my attention span work. <laughs> Should we pick our quote of the episode, David? <coughs> Bless you, darling. I'm going to... There's not much innuendo. Um... However, so I'm going to suggest a quote that is um, delivered in a very funny manner, and I will do my best to impress impersonate the funny manner. It's Susan when uh, she is told that she's going to be a handmaiden, and it is. 
I'm rather mad about being handmaiden to a goddess. <laughs> it is so camp the way she delivers that. I was going to say, she comes in and she's normally like, oh, oh, Barbara, how exciting that we're here, we're here in 15th century Mexico. And then, and then Cameron Ford comes through and she's like, I'm just so excited. I'm so excited to be the handmaiden. I'm rather mad about being handmaiden to a goddess. Yeah, that is exactly how she says it. Um, so I, I also have a Susan quote. I have two quotes. Uh, because both of these made me laugh but my Susan quote is when they come in with the perfect victim and they're like you must marry him and she goes let him die if he wants to die but don't ask me to marry him (laughs) (laughs) let him die if he wants to die but don't ask me to marry him it was just such a funny listen if you want to die you go die also my other favourite quote was from the very beginning when the first whoever the first Aztec is to see Barbara and he goes woman how came you here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> woman, how came you here? Literally, it just it just made me laugh so much because <sighs> woman, how came you here? I like that. Um, but yeah, that's my. How came you here? I don't know what's funnier, but I just let him die if he wants to die, but don't ask me to marry him. I kind of like woman. How came you here? Yeah, so do I. So do I. It's just so funny out of context. I have a background character of the week. So there's there's not really many many background characters, but there are characters who have smaller speaking roles and other ones yeah um and i'm going to choose someone who literally has like one line so i think that constitutes the background character in my opinion yeah and it's um sacrifice one as he is credited so he, he's the human sacrifice who's like but i wanted to i wanted to die so i could prove myself to the gods and clitox was like well then jump yourself off the roof then <laughs> he's like, yeah okay sure and then jumps off the roof I'm, <laughs> I was going to say the same because I basically just got to the end and had really, hadn't really picked a background character and I was like, it's got to be the first sacrifice. And the doctor's just like, I just want jump to off die the roof. Too. <laughs> oh, All it's right, so jump funny. Then. Go on. Right. Song of the week. I think we have chosen the same song. How do you know? Should we say it at the same time? Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. Hot False God by Taylor Swift. Oh! Oh my god, that's such a good song to pick! Oh my god, I'm so stupid. I picked Hot Chocolate from the Polar Express movie. <laughs> where they're like, hot, 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 hot chocolate. <laughs> the one by Tom Hanks. <laughs> but False God is such a better song. Sorry, choice. you picked the Hot Chocolate song from the Polar Express. Yeah. And you thought that I also thought of the hot chocolate song from the Polar Express. Yeah. When I said this to you before we started recording, you were like, oh, I, I, I said, I think we've picked the same song, so we're going to put it further down just so we can surprise each other. And you were like, yeah, I think I think we have picked the same song. You thought I was going to pick the hot chocolate song from the creepiest movie on Earth. You don't like the Polar Express? They're all dead behind the eyes. Yeah, they're all dead behind the eyes, but they sing a song about hot chocolate. <laughs> So, uh, do you know what? I actually think they're both really, really good picks. I low-key want to add both. Can we add both? Can we because do that? But that's is that going to cause chaos later I feel down like the line? We can. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like we can do it. It's our podcast. It's our rules. I like them both. I think we should use them both because they're both. I can't believe I didn't think of it also. Let's, let's do it. Can I just say that False God is one of my favourite Taylor Swift songs and it is one of the sexiest songs alive. I freaking love that song. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Also, she says, right, just to confirm, she says on that song, we still worship this love. Yeah. I Because for a very long time, I thought, I thought she said, we still worship this Allah. 
And I was like, oh, that's clever. Yeah, because she's like, still worship That's Zola. clever. She's like, she's using... <laughs> We still worship this Allah. Yeah, that it, we still worship Another word for God. Great, fantastic. Still really smart. Really smart songwriting. <laughs> yeah, I really, really, I'm really annoyed I didn't pick that now because I love that song so much. Um, I'm gonna. I think we'll we should add worry, them both. We'll throw both in. Yeah, go on. Go on. Can someone make? Um, a f- I want to make a fan cam now of the Doctor Kamika and the hot coca beans with the false god playing over the top of it. <laughs> Look out for that on TikTok this week. I generally think Beth, if you, Beth, please do that for TikTok. I don't know how to make a fan cam, but I'll figure it out before we post this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do our fun facts, Beth. What is your fun fact? My fun fact is that the actress that plays Kamika, Margot van der Berg, she comes back later in Doctor Who and she appears in The Keeper of Traken. And I just love this trend of, like, my favourite women in 60s Doctor Who coming back to be in the universe again. Like, we had it with Ping Cho and now Kamika's, like... She pops back in the Keeper of Truck, and I can't wait to get to that. How exciting. We get that with also... We also get Jacqueline Hill popping back at some point. yeah. Exciting. It's going to be so rewarding for us when we get to that, isn't it? We'll be like, yes! Babs it's not Barbara, but yes! So rewarding for the viewers. Uh, my fun fact, <laughs> this is so nerdy, and I had to double-check it, but I re-watched it, and I was like, yeah, this definitely is. So, in the 2013 episodes, The Name of the Doctor... Stop it. <laughs> there are scenes that are recut from previous Doctor Who episodes, because mm. obviously William Hartnell is no longer around. Obviously. Um, to add context of Clara, the companion, uh, having influenced the Doctor from the moment he stepped foot inside the TARDIS on Gallifrey. And the scene where the Doctor is going to see Barbara and is, like, double-checking over his shoulder to make sure no one sees him sneak through the curtain is the same scene that is used in The Name of the Doctor when Clara says, Doctor, and and he peeks over his shoulder and was like, yes, what is it? What do you want? Don't steal that one. Steal this one. The navigation systems in Akinblue have much more fun. <laughs> oh. How do I know? So that's my fun fact. I was like, this looks familiar. Why does this look familiar? I was like, it's from that episode. So I might have to go back and watch that now because I didn't... I miss that. And I love that it's scene. It's like such a specific scene. That scene with Clara in Name of the Doctor. The, every scene in Name of the Doctor where she meets all the past Doctors and stuff is just like some of my favourite Doctor Who ever. I have such good memories of that. But the scene where she's like, don't steal that yeah. one, steal this one. Oh, I love it so much. Navigation systems a bit knackered, but you'll have far more fun. <laughs> I love Clara so... Clara, yeah, sorry that's... to say, I can't... I think I'm going to go feral when we get to Clara Oswald. There's too much news, I think. Now, we've just watched Wild Blue Yonder as of last night. Yep, we've watched Star Beast, we've watched Wild Blue Yonder. Unleashed is out, the podcast is out, the commentaries are out, the cover of SFX has Millie Gibson and Shooter Gatmar on it. Can I also just say, um, we want to wish uh, and give some big love to our good friend Crystal D and our good friend Gina Dawson, yes. who are both on the official Doctor Who podcast. Yay! Not us, not us rebels in the corner. Um, but they are on the cool. They're on the cool kids team with Terrell Charles, 
Um, and I'm going to send them big love because they're doing brilliantly and we're very proud of them both. Yes, very proud of our, our friends and yeah, so yes. excited for that, but so cool. I guess the biggest news is maybe like the Christmas special has been announced and they've released promo pictures from the church on Ruby Road, which looks amazing. Um, Sorry, yeah. can we talk about the, the real news within that? The Goblin. Davina oh, Davina McCall. No, <laughs> Davina. <laughs> no, that's the that's same thing. That's what I call her. I call her the Goblin. That's the same thing. <laughs> um, I'm just so excited about that's this little Goblin dude. I love him. The Goblin. <laughs> if I get to watch another fictionalised version of Davina McCall, if I had two cents for a fictionalised version of Davina McCall dying on my television screen, I would have two cents, which is quite ironic if you consider it. Yeah. It's weird that it occurred twice. <laughs> um, it's weird that it occurred twice. First in dead, first in dead set, and now in Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm really excited. I don't know if she's going to die, by the way, but I'm just going to presume that, like, you, you would kill off Davina McCall. You might not kill if, off like, Davina McCall. Celebrity. You might not, but if you get like a celebrity guest star like that, like, yeah. you would, you would, you would, you would kill them, surely, just for, just for fun. Just for fun. Not saying that's not me saying anything about Demi McCall. I think she's wonderful. David, but like, what, what you're saying is, when you're showrunner, you're going to put self-esteem in the show and kill her off. I'm showrunner. <laughs> okay, I think that's uh, that's all the news, isn't it, David? I think <laughs> you're so fucking done. All right, that's it. Enough. No, I really need a wee, and I really need to go to the shops before the bloody close. And I've got an article to write. All right. <laughs> all right, busybody. <laughs> I've got an article of, to write. Is it a write-up of Sylvia's Tuna Madras recipe? It is, unfortunately not. I will say this again on this podcast. I've said it publicly. That Tuna Madras recipe, the people who went, oh, I think that'd be quite interesting to eat. Girl, those are people who have not cooked in their entire lives. I'm going to try it. If you're looking at that recipe and going, that's... If you're looking at that recipe and going, that's the kind of thing that I would really want to eat, you ha- Oh, <laughs> I would not trust you in a kitchen. <laughs> I'm not saying I won't trust you because I think you're going to try it for the pure experiments of it. Yeah, the for the lols. generally went... Oh, th- oh, that sounds delicious. Rather than it being like recession core dinner, I was like, oh. Well, oh. recession core can be sexy too. <laughs> Listen, recession core, recession core dinner can be absolutely delicious, but not that recipe. No, I'd rather have a jacket potato, please. <laughs> I'd rather have a jacket potato in the microwave. Thank you very much. Um, don't forget to follow us right. on the socials at Who Watch Podcast and talk to us via email at. Also, please make sure that you do subscribe. Please do leave us a nice review. Don't leave us horrible reviews. Otherwise, we'll just read them out because we don't care. Um, <laughs> and yeah, tell your friends about the Who Watch podcast. We're accessible. We're able to be open for everybody. doesn't matter what kind of stage you are at in your Doctor Who fandom experience, whether you're new, you're old, you're experienced and rugged and tired, or whether you're fresh as a daisy to the Doctor Who fandom. All and none. You are all welcome here. TARDIS is for everyone, and so is the Who Watch podcast. Before we go, another reminder of our beautiful artwork being designed by the lovely Reese Connolly. Please go and hire them for all your artwork needs. And we would love to say thank you to Hayden Wynn for our amazing music intro. It's just so beautiful. I can't believe we have our own music. Thank you, Hayden, so much. Our own theme. Um, yeah, we'll see you next week for see The Sense Right. See you next week. I won't be as ill as Beth and I will be in the same room. Yay! Bye. Goodbye.